The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back. To the right opinion right here on the right opinion.podbean.com media.group.podbean.com and rat salad review.com i of course am your host harrison bergeron happy to have you all aboard as always this uh episode's going to be a rather concise one we're going to touch on a couple of things i actually don't have a whole lot to say about trump speaking at cpac i didn't really watch the speech so much as i kind of got the clips from twitter and all that sort of stuff uh, um Wanted to see if it was going to be anything new and exciting and if there was anything really worth putting in the time to watch the whole thing. And frankly, it doesn't really sound like it was other than the fact that Trump is going to be primarying a lot of our least favorite rhinos. And that's a good thing at the end of the day. He seemed a little, you know, it kind of made it sound like he said he's going to run in 2024. But it, it, it's just look, folks, I've told you this a million times. Take this to the bank, whether or not he's planning on running in 2024. He's going to pretend he's running in 2024 to remain relevant until the last second. So he's going to do these teases. He might even go as far as to say he will run, and then the primaries may come around, and he might say, you know what, it's not worth it. Just keep all of that in mind as you hear him make promises for the future. But he is promising to primary candidates that have nothing to do with the presidency, which is a good thing, ultimately. Hopefully we get a few of these rhinos out of there. One of the people he's targeted is Lisa Murkowski, Great. The people of Alaska certainly deserve better representation than her, and I hope Donald Trump is able to find somebody who could stand up to her, get her out of there, and let's face it, Alaska is about as red as red gets, so if we could get her out of the primary, we basically have handpicked our new uh, representative or senator up there in Alaska. So I'm excited about that. Don't have a whole lot else to report on it, hence it's not one of the major topics this week. But we do have two major topics this week, as you probably saw in the show title. This week, it is the Neanderthals versus Blue Anon, and I'm going to explain all of that in just a second. So the Neanderthals comment obviously came in the aftermath of Governor Abbott of Texas saying that starting next Wednesday, they will be opening up 100%. And that's a good thing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, somebody was going to have to take these steps, and uh, and Texas has, has stood up and said, okay, it's about time. We're going to open things up here. And instead of doing this incremental bullshit that basically no one abides by anyway, I don't know if you guys have been going out to eat a lot during all of this. I have. I live in New Jersey. Our governor's a dickhead. He's never going to lift these mandates in all likelihood until it gets closer to his reelection. And uh, it doesn't appear that anybody's actually abiding by any of these 25% capacity things. I was in full restaurants for most of my time eating out over the last week. And good for those restaurants, I know I ain't ratting anybody out. Certainly, if you're the type of asshole that went out to eat, walked into a full restaurant, ate your food, and then decided to go complain about it later, you're precisely that, an asshole. And not the one who's got the right opinion either. You're just an asshole, like the kind that gets swabbed when you try to go to China. 
That's a new thing now, by the way. They are basically anally swabbing everyone who wants to go into China. So I fully expect our friends on the left to start heading over there in droves on a weekly basis or so. Anyway, so it is the Neanderthals versus Blue Anon. So Governor Abbott of Texas opened up 100%. He lifted the mask mandates. We saw something similar in Mississippi, which is obviously not getting quite as much coverage as Texas because Texas is always a target. Meanwhile, Connecticut also opened up. Anything but a red state is Connecticut. They have asshats like Chris Murphy representing them in the Senate. And uh, Chris Murphy was actually down on the floor of the Senate giving a little bit of a speech about this new spending package, uh, the $1.9 trillion America rescue plan or whatever the hell they're calling it. It's a, the, the language is just ridiculous. I mean, they should just call everything the rainbows and butterflies bill because that's how they always paint everything. Oh, well, we came up with this idea. And obviously, if you're opposed to this, you're some sort of racist, bigoted monster. That, and it's just like, has anybody even looked at this bill? A lot of the time, they don't even bother reading it. And in, in this case, they did. But uh, Chris Murphy was on the, the floor of the Senate trying to make the point that when Republicans say this $1.9 trillion, trillion dollar spending bill is too expensive, well, they were more than happy to give away tax cuts to uh, corporations and blah, blah, blah. Like he, he, That was his correlation. So on one hand, the Republicans don't want to spend this $1.9 trillion because they think a lot of it is wasteful, and it is. We still have a trillion dollars of unspent relief from the past bill, and a lot of these things that are getting money don't need that much money if they need money at all. The schools are ready to open. There's no science that suggests that the schools need to do anything drastic to open. Might they have to do it to appease some of the parents and maybe even the teachers' unions? Sure, but there is no scientific evidence that there needs to be anything drastic done in the schools. There have been schools open all over the world. Kids are not spreading this to the teachers. In, in virtually any cases, you can hardly find any cases anywhere, there have been schools open here in the United States. And again, there is no instances that I'm aware of, that I've heard of, and I've seen and heard a lot of news and related to this, and I've heard a lot of right-wing commentators say the same thing, calling out, you know, look, if there's any evidence of this, please, you know, send it our way. But there's yet to be any presented. Not to mention, it's kind of hard to tell where people are getting this, so keep that in mind. But at the end of the day... These children should be in school. These teachers should buck the fuck up and do their jobs. But instead, they're sitting around. They want to be vaccinated. Then they still don't really want to go back. Then they want to do virtual. And they only want to open one day. It's all just a bunch of ridiculousness, which is pretty much what Chris Murphy was spitting on the floor of the Senate. So he says, Republicans think this is too expensive, but they were fine to give this money away to the corporations. Time out. Time out, Mr. Murphy. So just so I'm clear, because you're a liberal and I'm a conservative, we have very different interpretations of economics, like mine are based in reality and yours are based on feelings. So in your mind, Senator Murphy of Connecticut, not a red state, open, by the way, for business, you think that spending $1.9 trillion that we don't have, we don't have it, we have to print it, in order to make it, to hand it out to these various causes, a lot of which are, let's say at the bare minimum, controversial as to whether or not they merit the amount of funding that they're getting. You think that's the same as not stealing money from corporations that was never yours in the first place? So on one hand, we have to spend money we don't even have, and on the other end, we're just not taking money that was never ours. 
Those are the same things to you, Chris Murphy? Well, again, that's our dividing line here is that conservatives have to have to actually have economic policies based in reality, and Chris Murphy just can make stuff up and say it, and guess who's going to cover for him? If you said the media, you've been paying attention. So that brings me to yet another media reaction. Not that Chris Murphy's part of the media, but he's a Democrat, so it's pretty much the same thing. They're all in the same camp. Let's not pretend otherwise. So that brings me to Joy Reid. You may remember Joy Reid as the one who said a bunch of really homophobic stuff in a blog and then blamed a hacker and nothing ever came of it because she's sufficiently woke and a woman of color and on MSNBC. So we could just ignore those things that she probably did and never provided any actual evidence that somebody else hacked. She just said, oh, it was a hack. It's just, you know, it's just the excuse that's convenient at the time. Several years down the line, Joy Reid will be caught on tape doing something racist or sexist or bigoted or whatever the case may be, and she'll probably blame deepfakes. I don't know, but whatever it is, she's never actually provided any evidence that what she said initially as far as it being hacked was true, and yet it was just allowed for her to go on and continue her career spouting all sorts of nonsense like what you're about to hear. So this clip plays Governor Abbott talking a little bit about the reopening of Texas. He, of course, made this announcement on Texas Independence Day. Very apropos. Good for him. Of course, the actual opening doesn't happen until a week later, but it's it's reasonable to say that you want to give businesses some time to get ready to open up 100%. They certainly haven't been anywhere near that open in the last year, so it's time to give them a little bit of leeway and say, hey, you guys can all open up next Wednesday at 100%. Get your shit ready and open. And that's what he's done. And he's also lifted the mask mandate, which I'll talk about a little bit on the other side of this clip. So first you're going to hear Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, and then you're going to hear Joy Reid doing her best Oprah if Oprah smoked a lot of crack and watched a lot of MSNBC. It is now time to open Texas 100%. Effective next Wednesday, all businesses of any type are allowed to open 100%. Yeah, yeah, you heard it right. The Texas governor said, COVID be dead. Everybody go ahead and open up. And that's not all of it. He's also lifting the state's mask mandate. Perhaps the governor should take a look at what happened when he eased restrictions in the past. Cases went right back up. And you get some COVID, and you get some COVID, and you get some COVID, and you get some COVID. For the 29 million Texas residents, please, please do not listen to your governor. Keep taking all safety precautions and protect your health and your lives. Because your governor, Greg Abbott, is the absolute worst. Is he, though? I mean, let's just take Andrew Cuomo and just put him in his own category of terrible for a second. Let's just pretend she's not referring to governor kills your grandma while in between sexually harassing staffers. Let's just pretend for a second she overlooked that little tidbit. Is Texas the worst? Is Governor Abbott the worst? Well, I happen to be looking at worldometers.info, the coronavirus um, chart here for the United States of America. I'm looking at 51 states because it's the 50 states plus they add D.C. in there. And I'm looking at it according to deaths per million population. And considering you just heard from Blue Anon fucking shaman over here, Joy Reid, and we'll we'll get into Blue Anon in a second. She's a major contributor to this phenomenon. Blue Anon shaman Joy Reid seems to think that Greg Abbott is the absolute worst. Well, surely there's some evidence to suggest that because I'm looking here on the deaths per million and 
I don't see Texas anywhere near the top of this list. I see New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Arizona, Connecticut, South Dakota, Louisiana, and Alabama. And those are your top 10 by deaths per million. Then we move on to Pennsylvania, North Dakota, Indiana, Illinois, New Mexico, Arkansas, Iowa, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan. That's uh, Governor uh, Milfie up there, by the way. And number 22 is Kansas. Number 23 is Nevada. And then we actually get to a line here that shows the U.S. average and then Texas. So not only is Texas not the worst, it's below average as far as deaths per million according to these calculations here. And it's close to the middle of the pack, if not dead smack in the middle of the pack, as far as deaths per million. Now, one person told you they were the absolute worst. One would imagine that there's some data to indicate that's the case. However, as I just explained to you, that's not really a thing at all. You may have noticed, by the way, I didn't mention Florida at all. They're 27th. And California, not too far behind it at 30th. One has been open almost the entire time. The other is still locked down severely. Did the lockdowns make a difference? It doesn't appear they did. Just throwing it out there. So Joy Reid thinks that Greg Abbott has told everybody to take off the mask, which is convenient for her and the people who edited the clip from Greg Abbott you heard at the very beginning there because they cut it off right before he said that personal diligence is going to be important in fighting this virus. We simply just no longer need to have a mandate for it. Why don't we need a mandate for it? COVID's still going on, Harrison. Why don't we need a mandate? I know. This is going to be a real, real revolutionary thought for some of you listening. But maybe, just maybe, everybody fucking knows to wear a mask now. No? No? Are we, are we, no? I mean, are you, have you been anywhere? where you haven't seen people wearing masks? Have you gone anywhere where you haven't heard about people talking about masks? Have you watched any shows where there wasn't a commercial about a mask or a vaccine or even the show itself may have been shot in the last year and the fucktards on the show are wearing masks? We all know to wear masks. And so, wear them if you want to wear them. Don't wear them if you don't want to wear them. But at the end of the day, the great state of Texas is no longer going to waste time, money, and other resources on chasing people down and making them wear masks and, and hitting them with fines and punishments that they're never going to be able to enforce. And then eventually, those citizens will sue the state, costing the state even more money down the line. How's everything about money? Surely some of this should be about lives. Yeah, and it is. If you don't feel comfortable going out in a society where everything is open and people might not be wearing masks... You can do what you need to do to protect your life. It's this little thing called individual freedom and, for that matter, accountability, personal accountability at that. Governor Abbott, smart enough and has enough faith in the people of Texas to understand that, yeah, everybody knows by now what the deal is here. You're supposed to wear a mask. If you're not wearing a mask, I, I mean, it's not really worth the government's time to chase you down and, and get in your face, mind you, because you're not wearing a mask, and to tell you that you need to put on a mask. At what penalty? A fine that they're never going to have to pay? Jail time they're never going to serve? Uh, being banned from a particular store? Which, by the way, brings me actually back to yet another part of this reality, which is that stores are still welcome to have their own guidelines. So if you're going to go grocery shopping in Texas, might there be some stores that are maskless? Sure. Will most of them be requiring a mask still? 
yeah, probably they still have corporate liability to worry about, and they will because they do. And so you will still not be able to probably go grocery shopping in most places without a mask. You probably won't be able to go to most movie theaters without a mask. When sporting events open up, those stadiums will probably require you wear a mask. So the vast majority of places you're going to go, people will be required to wear masks anyway. But Joy Reid just overlooks all of that. All she heard was the mask mandate was lifted. And because she is the QAnon, the blue Anon shaman, and for that matter, probably a bit Neanderthalish herself, she seems to think that that means that Governor Abbott is saying, get rid of your masks. We're going to have a big old you know, bonfire in the middle of Texas where we just burn all the masks and we go back to life before COVID. That's just not the case, nor did he say that would be the case, but that's what they heard because in the world of the leftists, there are two ways. There is mandatory and, for that matter, banned. It's everything needs to either be mandatory, mandated by a state government, by a, by a store owner, by a federal government, by a corporation of some sort. It needs to be mandated or it needs to be banned. There's nothing you're just allowed to do. You're just There's just things that you have to do and things that you're not allowed to do. That little middle ground that isn't present is where the rest of us like to call freedom. But we're not allowed to have any of that, according to Joy Reid. So, let's get into Blue Anon. Because Joy Reid is very much a part of this. I, I signed on to Twitter this morning, and I was astonished at how wonderful this thread was. So... The thread was composed by a gentleman, I assume. How dare I? Uh, his name is Max Nordau, M-A-X-N-O-R-D-A-U. That's his, also his Twitter handle, at Max Nordau. And he put together this thread entitled, What Does Blue Anon Mean? And he gave a bunch of examples like in his tweet right there, including questions that have been asked by the leftist conspiracy theorists, such as, who paid for Brett Kavanaugh's debts? And why did Justice Kennedy resign? Then he adds some of these other uh, statements made by the leftist conspiracy theorists out there now known as Blue Anon. Things like, the Capitol riot was planned by Republicans, and the Capitol Police collaborated with them. And also things like, the detention centers are concentration camps. And then obviously the most obvious of all of them was, Trump is a Russian asset. Then he goes on to ask, any others? And people replied. So I'm going to roll right down here. We got Brett Kavanaugh was a gang rapist. This was obviously perpetuated by all of the left-wing media uh, based on the word of Julie Swetnick, who was represented by Michael Avenatti. Uh, Michael Avenatti's now in jail. Julie Swetnick hasn't been heard from in over two years. Brett Kavanaugh is sitting on the Supreme Court, woefully disappointing the people who fought so hard for him. Next up is Melania Trump has a body double. I remember that one. That actually came back around a couple of times is that they kept suggesting that Melania Trump wasn't really Melania Trump because I guess she wasn't like made up as well as she usually is on some days or she got a procedure done and her face was a little puffy and she looked a little different. I don't know the reasoning, but there has yet to been any actual evidence that there was a Melania Trump body double. Certainly that person would have come forward by now, you would think, but that person has not come forward. Still no evidence of that fact, yet it came back around not once, but twice on social media and spread like wildfire. You saw all the pictures, hashtag fake Melania, blah, 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 blah. There was even theories that she had like escaped through a tunnel under the White House, had divorced Donald Trump, and had like fled the country. These were some of the speculations presented to us by the good folks of Blue Anon. Then we got Trump committed felony obstruction 10 times to hide his collusion with Russia. 
And another good suggestion, though, it is just kind of a corollary of the Trump is a Russian asset conspiracy theory, but they kept making all of the, actually, it was more than 10. I read uh, there, was a, there was one that had 102 impeachable offenses, many of which were derived from supposed felony obstruction uh, from him covering up his Russian involvement and not testifying when he didn't really have to and all of the various things that they kept tying to the Russian collusion hoax, which was exactly that and still is to this day. Yet you'll still see morons on Twitter saying things like, oh, well, Trump's going to uh, Trump's going to, uh, to, to to campaign in Alaska to try to get rid of Lisa Murkowski. I guess he wanted to be closer to his buddy Putin. Like, really? Are, are you that dense? You really still believe that? I mean, folks, look, for all the mockery that the QAnon people get, this is just as bad. And for that matter, when you look at the right as a whole, there's like a sliver of the right, maybe a fraction of a sliver that even know what QAnon is and an even smaller fraction of that that believe any of that stuff. Meanwhile, BlueAnon is not only perpetuated by blue check marks on Twitter and Hollywood elites, but our mainstream media and often Democratic, duly elected politicians. No? That, I mean, do you think those two things are on the same level at all? They, it, it, they aren't, but I mean, hey, if you want to live in a world of delusion, I guess that explains how you became a liberal to begin with. Next is, Trump is using the USPS to steal the election. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that one. Good thing it worked, too, right? Oh, yeah, wait, he didn't actually do that? And there was just a bunch of idiots posting pictures of mailboxes on trucks for weeks on end, claiming that Trump was colluding with Lou DeJoy, who's uh, the U.S., you know, the postmaster general under his employ, and obviously they're rigging the election. And, wow, man, I mean, in retrospect, I kind of fucking wish that was right. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. And it was still perpetuated by the media, by the blue check marks, probably by professors in colleges, if they're actually doing any teaching uh, via Zoom these days. And then, uh, akin to the Russian asset thing, is the entire Steele dossier, which was pushed and pushed. You got the Gorilla Channel and the P-tapes and like all of the nonsense that came along with everything related to the Steele dossier, uh, including... People not related to Donald Trump, like, uh, well, I guess they were somewhat related, right? Carter Page was working for the campaign on some low level as a foreign policy advisor, but they tried to make it out like he got some billion-dollar bribe, which he never obviously got. George Papadopoulos was was working with the Russians to get the emails based on the fact that somebody told him that the Russians might have the emails, and he just told a friend about it. That's That was the big link to George Papadopoulos being a Russian asset. And, uh, and it just continued on, and like I mentioned before, continues on to this very day. Next up is the idea that Mueller would have definitely gotten Trump, but wasn't allowed to issue any sort of conclusive findings is yet another part of this Russian thing here. But let's just, not, let's just, I know, I know it's getting a little repetitive with the Russian stuff here, but let's remember how long they dragged that out for. And again, it's still going on in some circles to this very day. How much time was dedicated to this? 500 witnesses. $50 million, two years, hearing after hearing, report after report, all this sort of stuff, and nothing came of it. Not because Donald Trump found these magical legal loopholes, but because he wasn't a Russian asset. He wasn't involved with the Russian government in any way, shape, or form. He wasn't involved with WikiLeaks releasing information. He... he the, the, the accusations that they perpetuate, that, that, that they try to stick on Donald Trump would be the acts of an evil genius, 
and yet they also think simultaneously he's as dumb as a box of rocks. And then they went and elected Joe Biden, which gives you a good indication of where their intellectual radar may very well be. But in one hand, evil genius. In the other hand, can barely tie his shoes. Anybody seeing a disconnect there? I, I thought so. Then we got the Russian bounties. We forgot about that whole one. Still never actually confirmed, even though Jeffrey Goldberg promised that sources would come forward soon. Never actually came to fruition. And by the way, if that story was true, it was going on before Trump got there. Yet another one of these things that Obama did and Trump did, but Trump seemed to be the only one who got any shit for it, like putting kids in cages, for instance. Moving on from there, Russian money laundering, which was another part of the whole Russian collusion thing. Then we pivot to Mueller's got him. And then we quickly pivoted from Mueller's got him to, of course, Mueller didn't get him. He couldn't get him, which is kind of part of the previous one. But this is part of the uh, Office of um, Legal Counsel's ruling that a sitting president can't be charged with a crime, blah, blah, blah. At no point in the Mueller report was there a suggestion that certain charges should be filed. Had they been, they could have been delayed and put under a sealed indictment until after Donald Trump left office. And the last I checked, he left office like 40 days ago, and there has still not been a single charge filed as a result of anything from that Mueller report. Meanwhile, they're so desperate to try to get this guy, they're now investigating his taxes again based on no crime that has been established whatsoever. Generally here, I know this is, this is again, wacky, but... According to our justice system, and more particularly our Fourth Amendment, we don't typically investigate people looking for crimes. As a matter of fact, that's not how we're supposed to do things at all. We typically investigate crimes and try to find the people that committed them. But in this case, we're just flipping that around because orange man bad. And so we're now going to just look at every aspect of his life with a fine-tooth comb in hopes that we find something illegal that he might have done. And honestly, at this point, I'm starting to consider the fact that Donald Trump might be the most law-abiding human being alive because they have looked through everything and, and, and looked at it ad nauseum and have yet to actually find anything worth putting handcuffs on this guy for. It's strange. It's almost like they're being lied to. It's almost like it's a big conspiracy theory that has driven these people to madness. Sound familiar? It's because it should. And then we get to uh, kind of wrapping up this thread here from Max. He points out that one of the big mythologies, part of the mythology of QAnon, rather, is, and he points out this is not a conspiracy theory that he could sp subscribes to, by the way, um, but it is that the kind of the, the, the thing about QAnon is that no one knew who Q was. Well, we know who Blue in the Blue Anon is. It's Adam Schiff. How many times has this guy promised that there was some sort of secret evidence that he had access to that because of his clearances he couldn't share, because there was an ongoing investigation he couldn't share. He kept saying he saw definitive evidence, yada, yada, yada. Well, none of it actually came to fruition. We've seen the Mueller report. We've heard the testimonies now of uh, James Clapper and John Brennan saying that they hadn't seen any conclusive evidence that Donald Trump had colluded with the Russians. But Adam Schiff was on fucking TV, particularly CNN, every other day talking about, I've seen it. I know it's true. It's only a matter of time. We're going to take down this traitor, blah, blah, blah. And then they just kept bringing him back, even after it was found out that all of this was complete and utter nonsense. Then we move on to... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she is, of course, one of the many queens, slay queen of the Blue Anon movement, and uh, she is just a full-throated range of conspiracy theories, everything from ISIS, uh, a terror organization, the kids in cages are being held in concentration camps, 
Uh, there's actually a Bloomberg article linked to this here that goes on and on and talks about a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has perpetuated. And, and I mean, just go through her Twitter feed. It's, there's a new one every other day. I'm not even going to waste any more breath than necessary on AOC. Then here's the next tweet from Max saying, good luck finding a single blue anon Democrat who will admit that Brian Kemp is the legitimate governor of Georgia. Not a huge fan of Brian Kemp. Looked like he was doing okay early on in the pandemic. Failed miserably when it came to securing the elections down in Georgia. For that, he is never ever to be forgiven and never, for that matter, to be forgotten. And uh, But he is the legitimate governor of Georgia. He ran against Stacey Abrams. He won by more than 50,000 votes. And yet Stacey Abrams and the Democrats are still to this day perpetuating this idea that Stacey Abrams won that election and is the legitimate governor of Georgia. Very strange. I know. They, they, but, they, you know, God forbid you challenge the presidential election results. Then you're a domestic terrorist, Neanderthal, racist, bigot, Nazi, homophobe bitch, I guess. I'll throw that last one in there just to round it out nicely. So Stacey Abrams winning the election, complete and utter unfounded conspiracy theory. But again, that is just echoed and championed by the mainstream media, academia, mainstream Democrats, Hollywood elites, blue check marks on Twitter, or as I like to call them, the Twitter libs. So Max continues here, literally anything by Seth Abramson, which is dead accurate. Seth Abramson has tweeted so many things about stories and inside sources that he's gotten, that Trump is going to be brought down and all this other stuff, uh, everything from the, the, I think we get to it a little bit later on, but one, the big one was the suckers and losers in regards to the World War I uh, memorial that Trump supposedly didn't want to visit but was actually called off by his security team. There's an actual email corroborating that that Kayleigh McEnany showed during her press conference. Um, by the way, I, I would pay so much money to watch Kaylee McEnany debate Jen Psaki. I know that they're kind of teasing it here and that Jen Psaki says she'll run circles around her or something like that. I, I personally think Kaylee McEnany would run circle backs around uh, Ginger Goebbels over there, and I need to see it personally. Mostly I just need to see Kaylee McEnany again, and I don't want to watch Fox, so that might be my only opportunity. Then we get to the many, many accusations about the Federalist Society, which is an influential conservative group. And I'll tack on to that, for that matter, any any assertions about the Federalist, the publication run by Sean Davis. There are litanies of conspiracy theories out there that the Federalist Society is just, just this evil cabal of right-wing, you know, George Soros types sitting around trying to pull the strings. Well, I got to tell you, if, they, if that exists and that is happening, they're very bad at their jobs because they have really let things go. So, uh, I mean, I, I kind of wish, again, this one was sort of true because they might in some way, shape, or form benefit us as Americans who want freedom and liberty and don't want to be told that everything is either banned or mandatory by the left. But that's simply not happening. I wish it were, though, on some level. From there, Max Nordau, the very fine people conspiracy theory. This is everything. This still rolls on. This rolled on through the presidential debates and was ultimately snuffed out, hopefully, finally, during the impeachment hearing where, uh, where finally the full recording and the full transcript was out in the open, had to be covered by the mainstream media. There was really nothing they could do about it. And it's quite clear that when Donald Trump said there was very fine people on both sides of that argument, on both sides of that protest, he was not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because he said, and I quote, they should be condemned totally. It's pretty strong language from a guy who is not usually shy about using 
strong language. So the idea, also moving on from there, the idea that the Proud Boys stand back and stand by with some sort of coded message. My God, these people, they really are. They're like the fucking, the, 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 the code crackers of the century. Between the dog whistles they can hear that no one else can hear, including dogs, and the secret coded messages that Donald Trump, oh my God, I saw one article where they were saying that Donald Trump's typos and his tweets were some way, shape, or form some code to the QAnon crowd to do certain things mostly because the QAnon crowd was misinterpreting what were just typos into thinking that they were some sort of things. It, it the, the, That one was really, really good. And all of the many secret messages that Donald Trump seems to slip into all of his speeches, again, is he a complete buffoon or is he an evil genius? You're going to have to pick a lane on this one. And apparently, five years later, none of them still have. Then we got to the whole thing about, uh, I guess, you know, challenging election results is is somehow sedition or treason or domestic terrorism or whatever the case may be, while the following Democrats all voted against certifying Ohio's electoral votes in 2004, and they're all still in office. Jim Clyburn, Danny Davis, Rahul Grijalva, Alcee Hastings, Sheila Jackson Lee, Eddie Bernice Johnson, Ed Markey, Jan Schakowsky, Benny Thompson, and Maxine Waters. All of them thought that the 2004 election was rigged. That was perfectly fine for them to challenge it way back then. However, now it's some sort of sedition, except we're not going to include the people that challenged the 2004 election results, the 2000 election results, or for that matter, the 2016 election results. Actually, if you challenged the 2016 election results, you got to be an impeachment manager for Donald Trump for his impeachment for challenging the 2020 election results. Isn't this fun? And this gets me back to the Jeffrey Goldberg point I, I talked about before about the suckers and losers comment. He said that named sources would be coming forward to confirm that Trump said these alleged remarks. None of that ever happened. Then we got the CPAC stage is a Nazi dog whistle. Yet again, another dog whistle. Look, the stage does look like the Nazi symbol that they say it looks like. That's without a doubt. If you look at the stage and you look at the symbol, it's really hard to say that it doesn't. That said, it's not a swastika. It's not like a well-known Nazi symbol. These people had to go deep into their personal knowledge of Nazi symbols, which they have an abundance of, apparently, and determine that this stage looks like a Nazi symbol. I got news for you folks. CPAC is not run it's not it's not putting a Nazi symbol on their stage on purpose. I can assure you, given all of the press that they get, unless this was some sort of epic and and really, really def, you know, specific trollery. This was not done with the indication that we're going to mimic a Nazi symbol so that the media can run wild calling the convention a Nazi convention, which they were going to call it anyway. Again, maybe it was trollery. Probably not. It actually turns out that the people who set up that set design are often people that do uh, left-wing conferences similar to CPAC as well. So those people will probably be canceled forever. And let's get back into the Russia stuff here. Us, uh, even beyond Trump, X was being paid off with Russian money was virtually always a blue anon thing, unless, of course, according to Max Nordau, you were talking about John Weaver of the Lincoln Project, you know, the, the pedophile that they were all covering up for for months on end. Um, he literally registered as a Russian lobbyist. So, yeah, apparently some Republicans are being paid off by Russian, and those are the ones that oppose Trump. So you got Trump, who's supposedly a Russian asset, and then you got a guy who is an actual Russian asset who's definitively against Trump. How do you square that, liberals? You guys, I know, you don't even know what a square is. That's the one with four sides and four angles that are all congruent. I know. Go back to your basic geometry books and leave the political conversations to the adults. 
Moving on from there, Mitch McConnell won re-election by 20 points. But there are still blue Anon people who believe that vote counts were changed. He won by 20%. He won 60-40 at a minimum. They still think that that was somehow rigged. There are people actually out there making that claim to this day. That's actually a new one to me, but he did post a couple examples below. Then, Trump owns stock in hydroxychloroquine. Oh, this is a good one. I debunked this one at the time. He did, in fact, own stock in the company that made hydroxychloroquine. It was a less than $1,500 worth of, uh, of, of a much larger mutual fund. And for that matter, Donald Trump does not manage his portfolio, or at least he didn't while he was in office. He probably still doesn't. He's got money guys to do that sort of thing. But he wasn't even aware of what he was holding at the time because it was in a blind trust. It was being managed by somebody else who was handling the money free from his knowledge in order to avoid complications and uh, and you know conflicts of interest like him touting a drug that he owns but he doesn't. He owns a sliver of a of a share, basically. It was it was a drop in the bucket for Donald Trump. But they seem to think like five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars would have been enough for Donald Trump to sell out the country and give everybody a bunch of poison pills. I mean, look, you don't have to have a very high opinion of Donald Trump to realize how ridiculous that is. And oh boy, how many times did we hear about the Southern District of New York or the Manhattan DA is gonna use Trump's tax returns to take him down for insert reason here? That's been a blue anon fantasy from the get-go, and that one is still going on to this day. As I mentioned before, they are still investigating his taxes, and they're only going to determine that he's rich and pays what he owes. And you could take that to the bank. Pun somewhat intended. Not the greatest pun. We're going on last one. Uh, I think this is the last one. They found one guy holding an umbrella at a Minneapolis rally and said, See, this violence is a false flag. So you may remember this guy, and frankly... That guy, to this day, still not been identified. It was rather sketchy what was going on there, but it was a guy in all black with an umbrella walking around, smashed a few windows of an auto zone, which set off some of the violence in Minneapolis. Might that have caused some of the violence there? Sure. But if it only takes that much to push you over the edge, there's a good chance somebody else was going to do it if this guy didn't do it anyway. And absolutely no one put a gun to any of these people's heads and said, hey, somebody over there is breaking windows. You have to, too. Yet, that's what happened in all these Black Lives Matter riots. And we're actually going to talk about that in just a second because I'm wrapping up Blue Anon. But I did want to just touch back on the Neanderthal comment one last time before I do that. So we got to the beginning, the Neanderthalish. uh Greg Abbott, I guess, decided to open up Texas for business and all that sort of stuff, as was followed suit by the governor of Mississippi, and then a couple days later, the governor of Connecticut. Joe Biden was asked about this, and he said that it was, quote, Neanderthal thinking. Again, I'm going to have to take a step back and kind of talk to old sleepy, creepy, flippy, floppy, malarkey Joe the same way I talked to Senator Chris Murphy before. So just so I'm clear here, Joe, and I'm going to speak real slow and try to use small words so you can understand what I'm telling you. Your idea of a Neanderthal guy or Neanderthal thinking is a governor who has the faith in his constituents that they can make decisions for their own health and well-being by themselves, knowing full well that all of them know the guidelines, that accessibility to those guidelines is extraordinary. You All you got to do is look at cdc.gov, and I can almost rest assured it's probably like the top thing on the page is your local you know, guidelines for COVID, 
I'm not even going to check that because that's how confident I am. He thinks that it's a Neanderthalish thinking to have faith in your people to make decisions for themselves as opposed to telling people they have to put a diaper on their face because some scientists say it might maybe do something to help them. Who's more Neanderthalish there? The people who have faith in their in their constituents to, again, make decisions for themselves, have some individual freedom, have some personal accountability, or the guy who says, nope, all these people are too dumb and I need to I need to be, I need to club them over the head with a mask. It sounds a tad more Neanderthalish to me, but hey, who am I but an asshole who just so happens to have the right opinion? And I'm going to close up here. I think I teased this a little earlier on today, but I, I, as always, I feel like almost on a weekly basis, I have to put somebody down on Twitter for being an absolute moron. This was one of my more legendary takedowns, but where did it all stem from? Well, as you can imagine, it hasn't been, you know, it's been 40 minutes into the show and I haven't talked about a cancel culture event yet, and there have been plenty to talk about. There was one that occurred literally last night, a band that I like a lot. Mumford and Sons, love their one album, Babel, I think it was, Babel, um, good handful of songs on there, really, really good Simon and Garfunkel cover of The Boxer on that album, definitely check that one out if you check nothing else out, but Mumford and Sons, highly touted, highly, you know, uh, accredited band that has been around for a little while, they kind of got this like funky, almost like pop mixed with like a little bit of like bluegrass and like country and blues, and it's very, very cool, it's very unique and it's very awesome, check out Mumford and Sons. Not because of what this guy tweeted, because frankly, fuck him, he deleted the tweet. But I think it was the banjo player from Mumford and Sons posted a picture of Andy No's book. Now, some of you might not know Andy No, but he's an independent journalist who's been following Antifa across the Pacific Northwest and the and and for that matter, kind of the West Coast as a whole as they go from city to city, burning everything to the ground. Andy No wrote an entire book about Antifa. And uh, it was banned from bookstores and from, you know, all sorts of other places. I'm sure it's still selling like hotcakes and good for Andy. But it looks like the banjo player from Mumford & Sons, whose name I'm not able to find because, again, he deleted the tweet. He um, he po- posted a picture of this book and said, you know what, you're a very brave man, Andy. You know, I just finished the book. It was a very good book, basically. He just, you know, he, he put, it, put it out there and said, I read the book and you're a brave, you know, human being for doing what you do and for writing the book. So then people started coming in over the top, and somebody said, oh, well, the banjo player from Mumford & Sons being a fascist, uh, being against freedom isn't something I had on my bingo card for 2021 or whatever the case may be. That tweet was also deleted, so it's hard for me to give you the accurate quote. But from there, we had somebody uh, who said, really? Player in Christian group turns out to be a weirdo against freedom? Surprised you? And to which I had to come in over the top and respond, against freedom? What freedom do you think he's against exactly? The freedom to burn major cities and physically assault your ideological components? Question mark? Clown emoji? And the guy came back and, of course, actually wasn't even the original guy that responded to, but here comes Ryan Stardust 01 on Twitter. He replies, You guys stormed the Capitol based on lies that the election was stolen. But hey, America burning to the ground would be a great thing to see. Well, I had to come back pretty hard, and um, he never responded. So it might, it might, he he may have harmed himself, and I, 
I, I can't say I'm going to mourn for him. So I replied to this guy. Let me read his quote again here just so everybody knows where I'm coming from. He says, you guys stormed the Capitol based on lies that the election was stolen. But hey, America burning to the ground would be a great thing to see. I don't know if he's being sarcastic about the great thing to see. Like if he legitimately thinks America burning the ground would be a great thing to see. Fuck him. He, by the way, has his has, of course, his gender pronouns in his bio and he's only 20 years old and apparently a big David Bowie fan and Dragon Ball and the the mere fact that he's 20 and had his gender pronouns in his profile. Ryan, take a seat, Junior. Okay, the adults are about to put the smack down on you. So I replied to him, no, a couple hundred fucktards with flagpoles stormed the Capitol. 99.9% of the right thinks it was abhorrent. All of that is obviously true. To which I replied, uh, to which I continued, you guys, in quotes, because he said, you guys stormed the Capitol, which is obviously not me. I didn't storm the Capitol. I don't know who the fuck you guys is. A couple hundred fucktards with flagpoles. That's who you guys is. But you guys, I said to him, set major American cities on fire for an entire summer. It was downplayed by the media, backed by major corporations and politicians, and applauded by you guys, all of which is true. Mind you, the, uh, the election was stolen, and they've admitted as such, and now they're trying to immortalize their election theft into law, basically. It's a law called, uh, it's a bill, rather, called H.R. 1, and it is working its way through uh, Congress right now. So, Lord willing, there are a few Democrats that still have some semblance of a soul and don't want our elections to be forever rigged and questioned, but hey, here we are. Uh, we got a couple hundred fucktards of flagpoles, or apparently all of us now, all of us, every single one of us. Actually, I'm looking at some bot underneath here who seems to think that uh, he's got the answer to mine, so let's do this live on air. He says, no, a couple hundred opportunistic people looted and burned while 99% of the left found their actions important and just want social justice and equal treatment for minorities. Now painting with a broad brush and saying, no, you're wrong, is so easy. Well, that would be true, except for we know that of those, even by the leftists' numbers, none of this is true. He says 99.9% of the left found their actions abhorrent. Really? Because even by their own figures, only 93% of the protests were, were, were peaceful. The other seven were violent. So 99.9 or 93%. We're already down 7% from where this asshole came from. And no, they didn't find them abhorrent. The fucking vice president of the United States to this day has a tweet up where she's trying to raise money for bail for people that were fucking rioting because I, I, people were most certainly not getting arrested in mass for protesting. They were getting arrested for rioting. That's when the police even fucking bothered to arrest people in the first place because many of them just sat back and watched their cities burn at the request of their local governance. So no, these people are not 99% of the left. It's a large chunk of the left. And as I stated before, it was backed by major corporations. True. How many corporations have sent you a Black Lives Matter email? How many sports leagues have had Black Lives Matter on their uniforms? How many people on social media that have blue check marks or celebrities have made videos or posts championing this whole thing as a, as a great thing, even though, you know, a couple of people were, you know, like, well, I think a, a couple dozen people died over the summer doing these black, during these Black Lives Matter rallies. And you don't hear about those people. You certainly don't hear about them as much as you hear about Officer Sicknick, who was the Capitol Police guy who died. And we still don't know to this day whether or not he was actually killed because of the riot. 
Does it stand to reason that probably had something to do with the riot? Yeah, sure, but it could have also been a seizure, a pre-existing health condition. It could have been any number of things. Either way, as tragic as the loss of his life was and the other four people that died that day, except for Ashley Babbitt, who deserved to get shot in the fucking face as far as I'm concerned, these the 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 dozens of people that that died over the course of the Black Lives Matter riots, including the uh, the the oh what was the police officer's name? David Dorn, a former police officer, black guy was going out to check on a store that was broken into and was killed by one of these rioters. None of these people get you know murals or fucking T-shirts or get put on the back of jerseys. But we're talking about you know, but Jacob Blake who had a fucking knife, or Rayshard Brooks who stole a taser and beat up two cops, or George Floyd who had enough fentanyl in his system to kill a small village. These people are all champions and heroes according to the Blue and On crowd. Well, it turns out that I didn't even have to take down our little bot here, Max Power, who came back with this, ooh, isn't isn't saying that everyone on the other side is wrong so easy? Well, here comes the follow-up from LeJohn Brames, who is uh, my hero of the week here. He's got some sort of funky Twitter killer. Tofu is his name on, oh my god, I love this guy already. LeJohn Brames, I don't know the rest of your beliefs, but you're I'm a big fan right now. Follow him at KI113RTOFU on Twitter. He gets back to Max and says, literally post one quote of a Dem condemning the Antifa BLM riots. One, and I'll hang up and listen. And then from there, he got no response. So he said, saying that they didn't riot or cause violence or harm is not condemning what they did. Saying it was actually Republicans doing the rioting and the violence and condemning Republicans for what is not condemning what they did. So, I mean, it, it goes on from there because these two just kept going back and forth. I clearly just muted the conversation because, look, when you hit a certain point of stupid, I just don't respond to you. Unless I think I could respond to you in a way to where I could show other people how stupid you are because I think most people think the way that you think. And frankly, I think a lot of people are stupid. So I know that's a bit of circular logic there. But there's just times where it's worth my energy, I think. And then there's times where it's simply not. Recognize when you see my Twitter feed, I am never, ever trying to change the mind of the person I'm talking to. I'm always trying to change the mind of the person, the third party reading it. Because if they, I like to think I have the right opinion, I'm an asshole, blah, blah, blah. You guys know where I stand on all this sort of stuff. But I think if you put my ideas up against their ideas, my ideas will win every single time. Because they're based in reality, they're not based in emotion, they're based on the Constitution, they're not based on the fucking Communist Manifesto, okay? My side typically wins because we've always won. Because the principles and the ideas that we hold are the good ones. And yeah, we lost the 2020 election. We don't always win the little battles. But over the course of American history, the Constitution is really what drove a lot of the awesomeness about our country. And to stray away from that because some people didn't always apply it properly is just silly. And so, the Neanderthals versus the Blue Anon folk. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and be a Neanderthal if that's where we're at. Where we're at. By the way, Neanderthals knew that men and women were different and that you couldn't just swap back and forth. So yeah, maybe the Neanderthals are a lot fucking smarter than the liberals these days. I I certainly like to think so. So the Blue Anon crowd, you do you, but recognize that your movement, the Blue Anon movement, is infinitely more mainstream than the QAnon movement ever was. And your riots were bigger and more violent and cost more costly both in dollars and lives than our one-off fucking fucktard riot. I don't even want to say our, than the one-off fucktard riot was. And to this day, they're they're continuing to push these false flags of which this is an actual false flag of the March 4th supposed 
riot that was going to take place. Apparently, some QAnon folks were under the impression that because uh, Donald Trump was going to be inaugurated for real on March 4th, which I guess is the anniversary of the initial first George Washington inauguration, if I'm not mistaken, but they thought that that there was the, you know the, that March for Trump was going to be inaugurated so it was time to go storm the capitol again this is why they've had all of the national guard in DC and all the razor wire around the white house and all that sort of stuff when that didn't happen so now we got to push it out another 3 weeks they've just created a new date oh it's going to actually be March 20th this time around and they're going to keep on doing this isn't it weird that supposedly the most popularly elected president in the history of the United States needs thousands of National Guard troops to surround his house with fences and razor wire? Isn't it weird that the president, who's adamant against continuing building the wall on our southern border, has a wall built around his house? That's not that's not weird and hypocritical to anybody. Oh, by the way, they, they're, they, they had to reopen more kids in cages facilities because there's so many people flooding across the southern border right now because Joe Biden made it perfectly clear that he's just going to let them. And now they have to reopen all these facilities because, oh, by the way, the whole separation of children thing wasn't really an option so much as it was an actual mandated settlement, the Flores, uh, United States versus Flores or Flores versus the United States settlement that indicated that we have to separate parents from their children. You can't put children in a jail cell, which is essentially where any adult would go when they cross the border illegally with their parent. Same goes for you if you get arrested here. You're drunk driving home and your kid's in the backseat. When you go to jail for your DUI, they don't put the kid in the cell next to you. Same goes if you cross our border illegally. This shouldn't be difficult for anyone to understand, but the left has somehow turned a very basic implementation of common sense law into fucking Nazi concentration camps. While they cannot wait for future Disney properties to come out, and, uh, and and they could give Disney their money while they're filming next to actual concentration camps. And yeah, many of you know I'm a big Marvel fan. And yeah, I do go pay to go see the theater, movies in theaters often. That's about the extent of my patronage of the Disney. The, of Disney. I don't have Disney Plus. I pirate the fuck out of all that. I don't want to give them any more money. I'm certainly not giving them money on a monthly basis so they could continue to propagate their nonsense. But look... We're, it would be almost impossible for us on the right here to enjoy any semblance of life if we boycotted every single company that did everything that we didn't like. But we can we can do it sparingly. We can we could scale back. If you're giving money to Disney for Disney Plus, maybe switch over to Netflix. Not that Netflix is any better. Maybe switch over to Apple TV. Yeah, not that that's any better. See, at the end of the day, you really can't avoid giving your money to people that suck. So you got to try to give as little money as you can to the people who suck the least. And I think that's probably our best bet until we could create the parallel, uh, parallel economy that people like Dan Bongino are trying to create and people like Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring are doing over at The Daily Wire. But until that day comes, don't fucking torture yourself. You, then you're just going to get even more wound up and, and pent up. And then before you know it, you're one of the fucktards with flagpoles charging into the Capitol building. Everybody deserves a little relief. We all deserve a little break. We all deserve some some fun. I, lo I enjoyed the shit out of WandaVision, but I didn't pay a dime to watch any of it. So I will continue to practice that as best I conceivably can, and I will go forward as such. And I encourage you all to do the same. I also encourage you all to follow me on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram, at RightOpinionPod. You can find me on Parlor at TheRightOpinionPod. You can email me at TheRightOpinionPod at gmail.com and subscribe to the show at therightopinion.podbean.com, at 
hommingmediagroup.podbean.com or at ratsaladreview.com or just search The Right Opinion in your pod catcher of choice. There's a good chance it's there and it's the one that's black and white and red all over like the New York Times used to be. This is a much longer episode than I anticipated it being, so it's at this point that I have to remind you that opinions are like assholes and everybody's got one. But this asshole has the right opinion and you can only get it right here on the right opinion dotpodbean.com and all those other places I mentioned. I'm Harrison Bergeron. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.